Welcome to the Challenging the Way We Age podcast, hosted by the Mavericks of Senior Living, Francis and Catherine, focusing on creativity, ingenuity, and inspiration to educate and inspire changes in the senior experience, breaking the status quo. We want to thank our supporters, Assured Assisted Living, Serenity App, Sevens Home Care, and Sevens Residential Memory Care. Now get ready for the next episode. Hey, Mavericks, thanks for joining us. We are at CALA, Colorado Assisted Living Conference, the fall conference 2019, and we're here with Kim Robson from Assured Partners. Welcome, Kim. Catherine, thank you so much. Hi, Francis. How are Hi, you today? I'm well. Thank you for joining us. I know you uh, had a already big speaking uh, engagement, so we appreciate you taking a few minutes to chat with us. Uh, absolutely. We had a phenomenal conversation earlier this afternoon. Good. So we want to hear about that, and you have two speaking engagements here. So you had one today, and we want to hear about that, and you have another one tomorrow, and then we'll talk about that one. First of all, we should probably back up and, and say who is Assured Partners and sure. what you do. Sure. Assured Partners is the fifth law largest property and casualty insurance brokerage across the country. Uh, We have over 1.4 billion in revenue, about 6,000 team members. And we have five specialty industries that we practice in. Senior living happens to be our largest. And across the country, we have a team of about 100 people that are not only our sales staff and our service staff, but we actually employ RNs that have spent the bulk of their career within senior living. We have uh, attorneys, paralegals, former risk managers within the senior living space on our team. So we've really invested in the talent to help our providers that are out there in making sure that they're proactively managing their risk and then reactively responding should they need to. Tell us what you spoke about today. Yeah, thank you. Um, I had the privilege of talking about what happens after your resident is hurt uh, within your community today. You know, we're, we're human beings that are delivering care and services to other human beings. And in my heart, I don't believe people get up in the morning and say, I'm going to go harm someone today. Uh, <laughs> well, you I know, hope not. <laughs> absolutely. And so we need to protect those that care for others that have cared for us throughout our lifetime. Right. And so from a perspective of risk management, it's understanding what's driving litigation today and Uh, how do we respond to that request for medical records that may happen and especially if we have that fall with an injury uh, or a substantiated abuse how do we manage that and recognizing what can happen from a claim or litigation perspective are you seeing more litigation occurring in like assisted living memory cares I know senior I mean I know I believe skilled had the very big litigation during the 90s and the early 2000s. Are you seeing that shift more to assisted living memory care now? You know, Francis, that's a really good question. One of the data points that we talked about today is Mm -hmm. a closed claims study. Easy for me to say this afternoon, right? Uh, Nice little tongue twister there. Uh, CNA Insurance is one of the largest insurance companies that insures senior living space, assisted living, SNFs, CCRCs, and they publish a closed claim study every other year and the one that they released last year was the second time in a row that assisted living was leading the severity cost not the frequency but the actual dollars that are paid out so that's really important for our assisted living operators to know wow that's I'm surprised by that I mean I knew we were trending that way but I guess I never I've heard saw data that supported that so so one of the things that you had said to me earlier is assisted 
assisted living today is what a skilled nursing was back in the day, right? Yeah. Can it, you go through that sure, again? Sure. As our healthcare system within the country is evolving and changing and reimbursement is changing along with that, our hospital systems are obviously taking care of the sickest of the sick, mm -hmm. sick that exist. What we're seeing today is the push down of needs and acuity levels. So the nursing home today is almost like the hospital of yesterday. Hmm. So so what has now become the nursing home of tomorrow is assisted living, which used to be the nursing home of yesterday. Wow. So we're having individuals with higher acuity. We then also have family members that have higher expectations uh, and maybe not totally understanding what we can deliver or totally understand the disease diagnosis of their loved one. True. I mean, I guess that probably goes back to communication between the provider and the family and the loved one, right? Setting expectations, setting what this disease could progress like, right? How can this morbidity or comorbidities, which is what I think is a lot mm -hmm. that we're seeing is a comorbidity, how does that progress? Someone that's with you for three years is going to look significantly different from the day they move in to yeah. maybe the day they're not with yeah. us anymore. Or I think the best example I can give is because your loved one has fallen at home mm -hmm. or in your home okay. does not mean when you magically cross the threshold <laughs> into our community <laughs> that the magic wand has been waved, right? Uh, and that that loved one will no longer fall. That's not a realistic expectation. Right. So I think if we can start a soft conversation with the family, mm -hmm. understand what they think is going to happen uh. with their loved one, enables conversations to then start taking place involving the physician and most importantly documenting that conversation. Because what's the old adage, if it's not documented, it's not done, right? No matter how much uh, we've Absolutely. talked about it. Absolutely. <laughs> and how many pieces of paper are we met? Well, not anymore. We've right. got the electronic right. health record, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. How um, many terabytes of storage do we have? Yeah. Oh, nice big word there. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> that's, that's the tech girl in her coming yeah. out. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you talked a few minutes ago about what happens when there's a request for a Medi report? Medical records, yeah. right? Request for a medical record, okay. right? And one of the the findings that was a takeaway for me in this session is a lot of our assisted living providers have not thought about having a policy uh, or a practice on how do you manage that request that that's, comes in. That's interesting. Yeah. And it, it doesn't necessarily equate that we did something wrong, right? Right. There are many reasons that you could receive one of those, but there are items that it could exist within that record that should never be released. Like a quality management plan type exactly. stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Or the incident accident report mm -hmm. because now you've just waived open privilege. The, open the door. Absolutely. Oh. Did yeah. you sit in on the session? I, I'm going to... He knows a little bit about this. just a little bit about this stuff. Yeah. That's interesting. So I didn't know that. And where... Uh, where would those requests come from? Who would be requesting them? The family? It's typically the family or the resident themselves. Okay. Um, and it can be for a variety of reasons. Uh, there are certain items that, yes, you can disclose to them. I always encourage people to 
make two copies. But even before you do that, number those pages so that if Catherine and I give you a 100-page document, I'm not sitting with 90 pages. I don't know what 10 pages you have that I don't have because you may be going to talk to a plaintiff attorney. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then we want to make sure that we have what they have. Yep. Okay. That's interesting. Got to yeah. track it all. Yeah. Yes. And, and do you think it's becoming easier or more difficult to comply with those requests because of the electronic medical records? Are we more willing to share that because it's easily accessible versus back, you know, where you had to go to the paper files, make copies, put it in the folder, give it to the courier? Run yeah. it around. Do you see it happening easier now? Um, I, I still think there are some challenges mm -hmm. that exist with it because the mindset today is that electronic record is 100% of everything that we do. That's uh, not always true. Okay. We may have other documents. Mm -hmm. uh, it may be a wound assessment. It may be a, a fall assessment. It could be any other document mm -hmm. that is part of the care and services mm -hmm. for that individual mm -hmm. that we don't think about mm -hmm. because it's so easy to go click a button, right, and, and spit that, that item out. It's, it's almost like we're... We're just rushing through these basics that we're used to that we're not thinking about tracking, the fall assessment, the skin assessment, you know, mm -hmm. that, that we don't think is part of, I guess, the care plan. Yeah. Even though it obviously is a huge component of it. Yeah. And, and you want to make sure that you're going through those items so that you aren't releasing some of those <laughs> items that we already talked yeah. about. It was interesting. Somebody asked the question, um, the family member wants to come in and wants to see a copy of the incident report. Can I go ahead and show that to them? My advice to the group was, you know, we all have these handy dandy little things that are called smartphones. We never know when they could come out in the open. And the risk of having a snapshot taken of that is too high, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and you are not obligated by law to give them a copy of that. Uh, but yet you can certainly have a conversation with a family member. So as a family member, you would request a copy of the incident report if it's related to your loved one? That was the question. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and you're not. So I didn't know that either. Know. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. So as a family member, I would probably feel a little bit frustrated if I wasn't mm -hmm. able to see an inst incident report that was written about my loved one. About your loved one. Mm -hmm. So how would you bridge that gap? Yeah, good question. Uh, part of the advice is, you know, we have regulations that we need to abide by uh, for our licensure status. Um, I'm happy to have a conversation with you about the event. I'm happy to have a conversation with you uh, about any changes that we may have been made. I just cannot give you a copy of this document. It's not an act of hiding anything. It's a, an act of protecting their interests and their reputational risk. It, it's a tough spot, though. The reason is because of just like that. You families, again, if the families assume that if it's related to their loved one, they should have access to it, yeah. right? Yeah. Period. And I think that's the challenge when it comes to this blending of what we've talked about, hospitality, business, yes. legal, yes. that we've got to find solutions that that they understand like there is a huge regulatory part of this and a huge liability part of this that we're taking on so much responsibility for yeah. your best friend, for your dad, for your mom, that we are ultimately responsible for them, good or bad. 
mm-hmm. and we have to have these in the health department i guess is the overbodying surveyor mm-hmm. that we have to abide by as well too and a lot of times families don't understand that even though we're private pay you still have to play by the state rules I, definitely, I think that's information that can be shared to loved ones yeah. when you do transition someone into a home. I had no idea that was the case, and I'm I'm sitting here a little bit surprised that I would not have access to that information. Understanding, though, the other side of it makes a big difference. But a good facility, correct me if I'm wrong, they should talk to you about what occurred. You shouldn't be left in the yeah. dark. So exactly. a phone call, like if an incident happens, your dad falls, right? You should be called within probably 15 minutes of that being stable, that event, so you know what's going on. And that needs to be built strongly mm-hmm. in the policy and procedures. Yeah. It shouldn't be like, oh, hey, Catherine, by the way, oh, your dad fell three days ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's way That's really not good. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you know? Where's that trust that's been exactly. bridged with that family? Exactly. That's, right. that's just yeah. gone away, right? And, and that communication is not always an easy conversation Correct. to right. have. Right. I always counsel our clients to role play that conversation. Yes. Don't be surprised. Think about, you know those family members, mm-hmm. right? You know their mentality, their emotional status, but you've got to communicate because in my career too many times I've seen high value cases because of that lack or delayed communication and describe what a high value case is Anything that has a zeros and commas with it. Okay. Oh, <laughs> okay. right. That's yeah. what I wanted to get out there. Yeah. Is that they, they're more expensive to you, not only in hard dollars, but mm-hmm. also in your reputation. Yeah, you know, the reputational risk, let's talk, you know, we talk about if we have a negative experience, out of 10 friends, we probably tell eight, right? True. Okay. How many do we tell if we have a positive experience? One. Maybe, maybe, maybe one, one. If we're lucky. Um, and part Interesting. Of it, okay. In, in par- and, and when's the last time you heard a positive news story or anything about something great happening in senior living? Yeah. But I'll guarantee you, you saw any. five today that were negative. And so it, it, how do we change that messaging? And the more positive and upfront that we can be, the better. And I think, too, better communication, right? I mean, mm-hmm. not being afraid to have the hard conversation, knowing that, man, I'm going to get... This family's not going to be the happiest with me, letting them know dad fell for whatever, the fifth time in five months, and adjust your you know, your care plans to accommodate for the higher increase in fall likelihoods and document. What's right? going on in that time of day? Mm-hmm. Is there something that's medication-related? Is right. there a change in their condition? that is evolving with that individual. Engagement. Do we need to change engagement earlier in the day so they're more stable? They're not sundowning? Do we have to have a more positive, purpose-driven environment for them to feel just more in control? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's a lot there to it. One of the things you touched on is trust, building trust Mm -hmm. with the family. Can you talk more about that and how that impacts potential litigation? So friends don't sue friends, right? Uh, <laughs> okay. So uh. the, the quicker that you can establish that trust okay. and you can communicate chain of command and you respond to that family in a timely manner, you're a partner with them in the care of their loved one. Uh, wow. If you do not establish that, what's going to happen? They are not 
likely to believe anything that you share with them. So the quicker that you can do that and have those realistic expectation Mm -hmm. conversations and greet them when they come in. Hello, hey, mom had a great day at this activity yesterday. You know, I've noticed that your mom has um, not been eating as much as she had. I wanted to let you know about that. They then recognize that you're paying attention to their loved one. They know what's going on, and you're communicating that with them. So could you say under-communication could be a driver of some litigation? It could be, absolutely. Wow. That's, yeah. wow. Just simply communicating better. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's basic. Thing. It's just your mom had a great day today. Absolutely. Just reaching out. So yeah. one of the things we'll be talking about, I, so I'm keynoting tomorrow morning. I saw that. Congratulations. Thank you. And um, one of the things we're talking about is setting expectations, but also just the the peace of mind that you get as a family member when someone reaches out to you Mm -hmm. and what happens in this industry right now is rarely as a family member do you get someone reaching out to you unless it's a problem Mm -hmm. Uh but we call and we say hey how's dad what's Mm -hmm. going on with mom did they have a good day did they eat well today we Mm -hmm. don't know yeah and it's not like we want every blow by blow description but the communication needs to in my opinion uh, one of the things I'm challenging is let's have it go both ways and you used the magic word for me which is partnership Mm -hmm. let's become care partners Mm -hmm. It, I think the days of having someone transition into a facility, a big community, and that community takes care of, of mom and dad and you don't have to do anything, and it's it's sort of this separation, I think those days are gone. Mm-hmm. Communities, I don't think, can sustain that with the caregiver crisis that we have with the shortage and staff. And I don't think families want to put up with that anymore. But- yeah, do you want that anymore? Do you want that split between the aging community and the, let's call it the outside world? I mean, I'm a big believer mm-hmm. we need to have a better inclusive community, right? right? Mm-hmm. That's really well said, that it, it almost is more isolating to do it's, that. I think it's absolutely isolating. Our models right now drive isolation. We don't encourage the community to support our seniors. We put them in big, beautiful hotels. And if they want to come out, they have to offer engagement. Right. We have Mm -hmm. to push them to get out more. Yeah. And so we're driving some of that isolationism that is, I think, rampant among seniors. And when falls happen is behind closed doors when no one's there. That's really Mm -hmm. interesting. Or responding. Or responding. Timely if that fall happens. One of the things that we talked about this afternoon, Mm -hmm. technology, Catherine, I know you're key in on that, is these wearable devices today. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, those pendants. Right. Um, uh, that we have. What's your practice of making sure those batteries are functioning? I didn't even think about that. Oh, goodness. You know? Yes. So one of the cases that we discussed today is a, a woman who fell in her apartment at 1 o'clock in the morning. Okay. And what do you think she continued to do? She continued to press that <sighs> pendant. And what was happening? Nothing. She wasn't found until 7.30 the following morning. Yeah. And as soon as that battery was replaced, what do you think happened? Totally fine. Totally functionable. And then our staff said to the family, oh, yeah, by the way, the pendant wasn't working. 
So Exactly. So if you're relying on technology, Mm -hmm. make sure you have the prevention techniques in place for that. And let's not also neglect the emergency plan that you have. Good point. uh, To be able to respond to those. What happens if you are relying on a network and all of a sudden, for whatever reason, some place has gone down and you have no electricity. Yeah. Now, how are you going to manage that? Wow. Well, mm-hmm. do you I think lived through that, actually. <laughs> I did. Oh, did yeah. you? Yeah. Do you think we're, we're almost shifting to the other end of the spectrum where we're going to start relying too much on technology and that we're not having this understanding that it might not always work or be there? You know, I think, Catherine, you mentioned the caregiver crisis that we Mm -hmm. have uh, in our country today. There are some extreme positives that are happening with technology. I think there's a lot of positives Mm -hmm. that technology can bring to the table, especially in some of our rural uh, areas of America as well. But we have to be realistic with it. I love that. What's the, what is the problem that we're attempting to solve? But is there another problem that we're creating? That's a key to risk management. As providers, you're entrusted with a human that is yeah. someone's best friend. Yeah. It's mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, husband, yeah. wife. And I feel like we can't ever lose sight of that no matter how great technology is. We're people. We want connection with other people. Right. We want that physical touch that you get, that warmth of me looking in your eyes, and I get a smile because I made yeah. your day. And for me, I think tech is about, tech should be there to aid the care that mm-hmm. you're giving. Mm-hmm. And if it can help free up some someone's time, a caregiver's time, an executive director's time, that's the goal. And, and that's what our family members want. What would you say to a lot of the, because we have a wide range of people, the families, the the providers, the executive directors, what would be some big points for you to let them know about, you know, what you think are important? So from a a, a risk management perspective, if you understand what's creating loss Mm -hmm. uh, and you develop systems, practices, and protocols around that to protect not only those that have protected us throughout their life, but protecting your team members as well. Mm. So if we bring that whole nucleus together and expand that communication process, what can we do to drive down those areas that create risk right. and loss for us? Yeah. Um, you are singing my song. Yeah. I think the communication and collaboration piece is a huge, huge component in my mind. One other point I wanted to make, Catherine, as you were talking about the daughter, if you look at history about who is the family member that is most likely to present a claim or a lawsuit against a community, it is a daughter. You're kidding. No. Wow. No. Because it's that per- me. Is it more that protective instinct? That maternal protective the mama it bear. Is. So Kim, you've been doing this for a while. What um what's the one thing you want to challenge? I I'd like what would you like to see done differently or just take a different perspective on? I think I'd love to see more education of the people in our communities because that's who also feeds our jewelry pools. If I could pinpoint one thing, I would love for more people in our country to truly understand the great work that senior living providers are doing and have an appreciation for all that goes into that care and delivery. Wow, that's 
I have a lot of thoughts on that, and it it would just elongate our podcast, (laughs) so I won't go into them. But I I think that there is a place for either a customer service person or another layer of communication with family and education Mm -hmm. through the process. I almost think we have to redesign a little bit of our senior living so it feels more inclusive to the regular community so Mm -hmm. that it's not this black cloak thing like oh well you go there when you're you know you're old yeah you know and and like you said is that i've never thought of it that way of if they only knew what we the work we do how hard it is why we want to do it how we would love to have more resources especially with the medicaid Mm -hmm. dollars that would maybe give a different perspective to a lot of people and the passion that exists mm-hmm. within the senior mm-hmm. living industry is second to none it's a fresh perspective that you take i believe and i thank you for that is looking at not just the negative aspects of litigation but what we can learn from it helps build better policies procedures mm-hmm. and things moving forward and i'm guessing having a company like you yours you take all that expertise that you've learned throughout all your clients right to help really provide a service of like, hey, we like these policy procedures, but these are better because of X, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And having the opportunity to work with over 4,000 communities across the wow. country, yeah. that, that really affords us to see what works in some communities. Right. So how do they find you? How do they find more about your company? How do they find more about you? Yeah. Um, so thank you. Assured Partners uh, is at assuredpartners.com. Okay. Uh, is the easiest way to find us. Okay. Uh, we have a senior living page uh, oh, there. Okay. We have a wealth of information, whether it's blogs, webinars, uh, tips, tools uh, that they can uh, go ahead and uh, research. My colleague Blake Crawford is here in the Denver okay. uh, area and works very close with Kala. Can we appreciate uh, obviously all the energy that you put into and trying to help companies and providers have the best practices. Um, we truly thank you for your time and your knowledge this afternoon. Well, thank you for spreading the message as well. It's a privilege to meet both yes. of you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. The Mavericks want to hear from you. Visit us on Facebook and Instagram at Mavericks of Senior Living or MavericksofSeniorLiving.com and leave us your comments, questions, and ideas for future podcasts.